And so I'm reading from Acts 2, verse 5 to 13. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, near Cyrene. There's visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. There's Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own languages, their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Thank you, Rainer. So indeed, wow, what an amazing thing. We're going to hear a little bit more about that story later on, but just for now, what an amazing story up till now. And indeed, the question that was asked was, what does this mean? What, if you like, is the fallout of all of this? They turned up, as usual, for the celebration of the tablets of the law. And at the end, people were, well, perhaps even accusing them of taking some kind of tablets. Well, certainly at least drinking too much. Staggering about under the influence of the wind of the Holy Spirit, rather like those clip, that clip that we saw earlier. What did they think was going on? I mean, if you think about it, how far had they come? If you've read the readings before, well, John's Gospel before, when it talked about they were scared and fed up, this was before Jesus came, hiding behind locked doors. And then Jesus, at that point, in John 20, verse 19, he breathed on them and gave them a kind of a little bit of a filling of the Holy Spirit. But, but from that point, when they were fed, when they were scared, when they were fed up, how far had they come on? They were having this incredible, amazing experience. But, but what did it mean? They were kind of swept up by what seemed to be rather like a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit. But they still didn't know what the implications were. They didn't know what was happening to them, what was happening in that room even, and what was happening when they went outside. Was it even going to be a whole hurricane in the whole Palestinian region? What actually happened was they were receiving the outpouring that was promised by the Holy Spirit. And they were filled up. They went from being fed up, if you like, uh, late on in John's Gospel, to being filled up with the overflowing presence, soaked up in the presence of God. So what happened next? What happened next for them as individuals? We see what happened next for Peter. I shan't go into the whole story of Peter, although obviously we know quite a lot of it about the Easter experience when he denied Jesus and all that kind of stuff. But what happened to Peter next was the Holy Spirit came upon him. He filled him up and, and then it came upon Peter. And he was anointed to preach like he'd never preached before. He was, well, it was a whole packet of polo mint sermon, this one was, Acts 2, verse 14 to 41. We hear, again, the short straw, because this is rather a long reading. Please sit yourselves comfortably as we hear the next part of the reading. Something about what Peter, 
Peter preached, and he didn't even have a microphone. Peter addresses the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father that promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them 
Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow. Such an amazing message, isn't it? And just, just the whole symbolism there in that passage when, when Peter preaches with this newfound power through the Holy Spirit and he's inspired to preach this magnificent words. But also he talks about, and he refers back to, doesn't he, that Joel passage where it talks about how really he's in the right time and the right place because that outpouring that God promises in Joel is actually happening. It's like the wave of the Holy Spirit is actually being outpoured on that day. And he's there and he's in it and it's fantastic and it's wonderful. And I just, I just wanted to show you one more clip. The clip here is, a clip of the power of waves. When you think about that pouring of the Holy Spirit, rather like a water, just think about the power behind waves, as Albie pointed out to us just earlier on. There's lots of pictures of waves, and there's all sorts of pictures of waves where people just get knocked down. I didn't like that. The blood's not good for a Sunday morning. But anyway, just the idea of the fact that the waves and wave power, it's not called wind power and wave power for nothing, is it? Those are illustrations, aren't they? The pouring of the um, Holy Spirit in water in that wave-like form is something which is amazing and which is powerful. And it's something which, which made and inspired the disciples. You may remember when Peter, the guy who's preaching, actually remembered the the awesome power of God when they were in a boat, do you remember? And the the waves were buffeting the boat and and Jesus calmed the storm. He not only is powerful to to bring that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but he was also powerful to still the storm. What kind of man is this, the disciples said, even the wind and the waves obey him. There's actually quite a lot about waves and about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible. I'm not going to give you all of it because we're nearly at the end of the sermon, but Psalm 42 verse 7 says, deep calls to deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. It's that depth of that relationship with God. Ezekiel 47 talks about the Holy Spirit starting like a gentle trickle, which can be quite deceptive at start, but then grows into a mighty river. Where the river flows, everything will live. It brings that freshness, it brings that vitality. God's Holy Spirit. And it's no coincidence that both wind and waves, amongst other things, are symbols of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible. So when we reflect on that, when we think about God's Holy Spirit, let's bring it back to a personal level. Just think about that awesome power of God, but yet with that potential, rather like in Pentecost when the waves were, the, the, the flames were, rather, were upon the, that's another symbol as well, but we won't go into that one, upon the individuals. Think about that wind, about that breath of the Holy Spirit. How can that wind, that awesome power, change your life? Perhaps to equip, to empower, to bring vision, to bring new direction for you. The change of wind brings a change of direction. And maybe God's Holy Spirit saying for you today that I want to equip, I want to inspire, I want to empower you, I want to bring that change of direction. Or I want to perhaps blow you rather like one of those, those pictures with that guy being just forced forward, wasn't he? Being 
empowered and catapulted forward, perhaps when we're a little bit scared of going forward. But also, what about the water of the Holy Spirit? Do perhaps we need that water to cleanse us, to refresh us, to fill us, to, to bubble up inside, to give us that joy, to give us that hope, to give us that peace? I pray today that God's Holy Spirit will fill you, that God's Holy Spirit will transform you. And I just want to end with two thoughts today in prayer, really. The first one I'd like us just to pray for ourselves, which seems quite individualistic, but actually is really important because unless we're transformed, we cannot share God's Holy Spirit with others. Let's pray for you and for me. We thank you, Lord, for your promised Holy Spirit. And we thank you that the time is now when your Holy Spirit can be and is so desperate to flow into our lives. And we pray for each of us individuals. Maybe today we feel fed up. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will inspire us and indict us. Maybe today, Lord, we feel washed up. Maybe we've got to the end of ourselves. We pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Maybe just starting with a spring. But then, Lord, into a ripple and a river and a wave, Lord. To bring that cleansing, that restoration. To sweep us up so that we may flow with you. Pray today, Lord, that you, that I, as we pray for ourselves, may be filled up from overflowing. Pour on your spirit, Lord. Pour out your spirit, Lord. So that we may be geared up. That we may be stirred up. And that we may be called up and equipped to be those witnesses to the power of your Holy Spirit. To the power of the presence of your love in our lives. Bring your bubble, Lord. Bring your touch of restoration. Your peace. Come, Lord Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Amen. I said I wanted to do two prayers. The second is for the church. And I'm not going to go on too much about it. I could talk about it for ages. So just very briefly that... Um, for Lim Church a couple of weeks ago we prayed because I said about in that prayer for individuals about being the end of, at the end of yourself you know when you think that you've done everything and it just isn't working and you've tried everything and it just failed and Lim Church is a little bit like that <laughs> they'd be honestly admitting it that they've tried stuff there's only a few of them and, and they're, they're at the end of themselves and actually that's the best place to be Maybe we don't feel at the end of ourselves here at Thomas Rosie. Maybe we might do as individuals, but, but certainly perhaps we don't feel like that as a church. But I think actually to feel at the end of yourselves as a church is a good thing because you then become reliant on God. And on Thursday, a couple of weeks ago, um, 
at Lim, we were praying as elderships. Now, we don't normally do this. We do pray, but we don't normally pray just have a whole meeting on prayer. And we had like a whole meeting when we just prayed. And we just said, look, God, we're at the end of ourselves. We can't do it in our strength. We need you. And then on Friday morning, Martin Colwell texted Andrew. And he actually copied the text to me, which he's never done before. And the text was this. And I believe it was God saying, actually, you might be at the end of yourselves, but I'm there for you. And I just feel that this is not just relevant for Lynn, but also it's relevant for all churches and may well be relevant for us, I'm sure is relevant for us at Thomas Resley. Let us just hear these words that actually are up there, hopefully, but if not, I can just say them anyway. Make way. Make a path for change. For a church that will be renewed and filled with hope, gifts, healing. The path will have running water washing away the past. Bring a dam to hold God's people together. And once built up, let the water flow. I hear God's heart. I hear God's cry. So let us do that today. Let us just build a dam for the church. It was particularly pertinent to Lim. There's all sorts of pictures for Lim, the dam, and all those things. But Martin didn't know any of that. But let us just pray for our church. And we do pray, Lord, that we will always feel at the end of ourselves as church and as individuals because we first turn to you. And we pray, Lord, for your restoration. We pray that we may be a church with hope, with gifts, and with healing. That we may rest and be solely reliant on your love and let us always want to hear God's heart and to hear God's cry Amen